a month ago, church changed. The way we've done ministry, we've done church for years. It looks different. It's going to look different. How do we move forward? What does that look like? We're looking today at Micah and the prophetic voice. What does the prophetic voice for the people of God in exile have to say? What can it say for the people of God today? We're struggling with worshiping in a way that's different than the way we've worshiped in the past. I'm Josh. You're joining us for our podcast, The Hebrew Bible Journey, the GFCN Online. Glad you're with us. Stay tuned. Before we get into Micah, let's take a look at our memory verse. We've been trying to memorize up to April 26th. This one's an easy one. It's Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we memorize scripture together. And whoever posts a video first of them having memorized that scripture online, onto social media, and tags Gainesville First Church of the Nazarene, The first person to do that will get a $10 Chick-fil-A gift card. We've not had anyone do it yet. I think it's a great time for you to do it. So check that out. Do it. Take a video. Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So prophets. Who are the prophets? What are the prophets? Why are we looking at prophets? Prophets are a great, fun part of Scripture that I think sometimes is ignored or overlooked for whatever reason. And we're going to be touching on... We've been touching on prophets. We've been looking at uh, the former prophets uh, for a while, although we may not have used the prophetic language or said prophecy or anything like that, but it's still part of the prophets. And prophets, when we look at scripture, most of the time when people think of prophets, they think of what's called the latter prophets. This is like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then what's sometimes called the twelve, and that's Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So a lot of, a lot of different names uh, on prophets, and we'll be talking a little bit about what does the prophetic message say, how, what's unique about it, and what makes it different from other parts of the scripture. As we've gone through the Hebrew Bible journey, we've looked at the Hebrew Old Testament is sometimes called Tanakh, and that's made of the Torah, the Nebium, and the Kethubim. And so Nebium, uh, that, that's the prophets. That means mouthpiece. And when we think of a prophet in Scripture, 
it positions prophets as a mouthpiece for God or for God's vision. Um, when we are looking at prophets today or prophetic ministry in Scripture, I think one of the great resources we have for interpreting the Old Testament is uh, the way that Walter Brueggemann has looked at prophetic voice and prophetic theology for years. Uh, so Walter Brueggemann's a leading Old Testament theologian. And what he says about the prophets is that there's a, a critique and then there's imagination. We'll look more at that as we look at the scripture today and, and follow up with what does the prophetic voice have to say for those who are in exile? But I wanted to give you that framework. There's a critique, and then there's an imagination. There's some sort of energizing that goes on. Well, if you have a computer, phone, Bible near you, open up to Micah, or you can just listen along. That's cool, too. It actually would probably be better for you to just listen along. We're in Micah 1, verses 8 and 9, then Micah 1, 16, then Micah 2, 12 to 13, then Micah 3, a couple verses in Micah 3, then a couple verses in Micah 5, a couple verses in Micah 6, a couple verses in Micah 7. So we're really, really just jumping around and getting all over the place here. But I think this will give us a better picture of the overall themes and flow of what's going on in Micah. If you like, just go read the whole thing of Micah. Uh, that, that's a great option as well. So this is Micah 1, 8 to 9. I'm not going to pause and say I'm going to this verse, I'm going to this verse every time. I'm just going to read through. I will pause after each set of scriptures, but I'm not going to say this is where this is from. So just keep that in your mind. For this I will lament and wail. I will go barefoot and naked. I will make lamentation like the jackals and mourning like the ostriches. For her wound is incurable. It has come to Judah. It has reached to the gate of my people to Jerusalem. Make yourselves bald and cut off your hair for your pampered children. Make yourselves as bald as the eagle for they have gone from you into exile. I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the survivors of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture. It will resound with people. The one who breaks out will go up before them. They will break through and pass the gate, going out by it. Their king will pass on before them, the Lord at their head. Hear this. You rulers of the house of Jacob and chiefs of the house of Israel, who abhor justice and pervert all equity and who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with wrong, its rulers give judgment for a bribe, its priests teach for a price, its prophets give oracles for money, for they lean upon the Lord and say, Surely the Lord is with us, no harm shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion, shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house of wooden height. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, 
From you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up unto the time when she was in labor and brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. If the Assyrians come into our land and tread upon our soil, we will raise against them seven shepherds and eight installed as rulers. They shall rule the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod with the drawn sword. They shall rescue us from the Assyrians if they come into our land or tread within our border. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I get my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of your possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in showing clemency. He will again have compassion upon us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and unswerving loyalty to Abraham, as you have sworn to our ancestors from the days of old. This is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God. So that was a lot of scripture, and you may not catch it all, But I want to separate our conversation into two topics. The first topic is the critique. The second topic is imagination, vision. The critique. Let's let's start there. What prophets do, well, in almost every case, is that they call attention to reality. Prophets call attention to the end of a current way of life. Micah does this in in Scripture. Um, If you look in chapters 1 and 2 and even 3, I will go barefoot and naked. I will make lamentation like the jackals and mourning like the ostriches. There's a place for grieving. There's a place for lament. There's a place for tears. Micah goes on, make yourselves bald and cut off your hair for your pampered children. Make yourselves as bald as the eagle, for they have gone from you into exile. There's an end to things. Grieve it. Cry out. Lament. This is part of what happens in prophecy. Now, so many people today think they're prophets. And they're criticizing, and they criticize, and they criticize. 
but they're not a true prophet in terms of the biblical sense. So what we have is a picture of prophets from biblical theology because a true prophet doesn't just critique but follows up immediately with we have to grieve this old way of things, but here's what's possible. The prophet always asks what's possible if God were to get involved. We don't do that sometimes today whenever we talk about being prophetic or uh, sharing a prophetic vision. Sometimes we just critique. But that's not a true picture of prophetic voice or being prophetic as we get it from the Old Testament and the Hebrew Bible journey. Now, we have this critique. I think it's applicable to our lives as well. We have to grieve. Uh, We have to lament. For this, I will lament that the way we've done ministry for so long, can we go back to it? Can we call attention to reality that the way we've done ministry has kept some people outside of actually hearing the message of God because They've been hesitant to enter a church building because in that church building they've been pushed away or separated from the presence of God. Or so many other ways in which the way we've been doing ministry for a long time has actually been a barrier for people. We said this place within these walls, this is how ministry has to be done. We have to do it this way. It has to look this way. And if it doesn't, well, then we're not doing really, really doing ministry. And if you don't want to be a part of it, well, then you're not welcome here. You can go somewhere else. I'm, I'm, I'm criticizing that, dude, and saying that's we, we grieve it. There is value in it. Uh, there was value in gathering together in that way. Um, <clears throat> but I, I lament that I'm not sure that I can go back to doing church the same way we've always done it. As we go before God with fake expressions of of faith or we go before God with self-righteous piety um, as even Micah criticizes and saying you've come with your with your offerings and your calves but we can't go back to that. We, you can't. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? These self-righteous ways that we express, can we really go back to that way of doing ministry or doing church? So let's, we're criticizing it. We're being prophetic, or at least trying. We're not really being prophetic unless we can imagine an alternative. Imagine a new way of, of uh, being the people of God in the world and imagine what could happen, what's possible if God were to get involved. Micah does this as well. Um, Micah offers an alternative vision to a degree. As we continue to look over the next couple weeks at prophetic voice and how that shapes the people of Israel, if you keep in mind last week we talked about exile and In exile, there's a stripping away of identities. 
the people of Israel, they were expecting a king, they were expecting land, and they were expecting a temple. And to a certain point, Micah says, we're not going to have this stuff anymore. This way that we've worshipped in the temple, we can't keep having it. But Micah holds on to this idea that God will continue to be present through a king. But in a unique way, and it kind of develops even more than the way they've looked at kings in the past. And it it starts to point us towards, as Christians, we would say, Christ. Uh, And that's specifically in Micah 5. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up unto the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. So Micah's imagining what can happen We're in exile. We've been stripped away from everything. But what can happen if God is to get involved? Micah is being a a mouthpiece for God's vision in the world, God's presence in the world. Not just there, but in other ways as well. At the end of chapter 6, or at at the end of, well, chapter 6, verse 8, Micah says, He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? There's not just criticism, but there's an imagination and a way of practicing faith in a holy and full way. Oftentimes, whenever we get to the prophetic vision the prophetic imagination, it is otherworldly. It imagines the end of suffering, the end of oppression, and the end of injustice. And that's a true prophetic vision. It imagines a holy possibility. And I'm not sure we were doing that in the way we were before. We weren't imagining. We were totally content with, this is how we do church. This is what church looks like. I think now we're, we're pushed into a place where we can say, well, what, what's possible when we come that, back together? What, what can change? What's healthy for us to change in the way we do ministry and the way we gather together as people of, of, of Jesus Christ? What's, what needs to be different? Now, I know some people may hear this and they think, well, that young whippersnapper is just trying to change everything. Um, or you, know, you can hear this and think, I just like to rock the boat. And to a degree, I do enjoy doing that. But also, I'm trying to be faithful to this biblical message of calling attention to the ways we have not been faithful and asking Is there a better way for us to be faithful? Have we left something out of the way that we've done church in America? And what does that look like going forward? What kind of things have kept us from being faithful to God? And certainly I think we have to have a time of grieving. Um, I'm attached to the way we've done ministry for 
Well, I've done ministry all my life. But in in pausing and looking at Scripture, I know that that's, that's not the final way. It's not the end goal. And I think I've been comfortable in the way we've done ministry at churches. It's safe. It's definitely safe. Um, but I think it can keep us from hoping and imagining in the same way that Micah hopes and imagines. Sometimes at the end of um, prophetic voicing and prophetic theology, there's a doxology. So we'll talk more about doxology next week. But it was included in our, our memory verse for today. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And doxology becomes an important part for the people of Israel. And that even in grieving and suffering, the doxology is the imagination. This is what happens when God is involved. And we praise God in that. You may look at the scripture and think, this has nothing to say about our situation, the church in America right now. And I'd say, you need different glasses. You need a different lens because this scripture, these scriptures, the prophetic scriptures are speaking to us now in ways we might never have heard before. It calls attention and criticizes the way we've acted, the way we've been, the way we've worshiped. And says, what could happen? What's possible if God were to get involved? It would change the whole world. Flip the whole world upside down. People might raise from the dead. The lame might walk. The blind might see. The hungry might be fed. Thanks for joining us online as we talked about the Bible and faith and worship and Christian expression. At GFCN, we are passionate about helping people connect to God and connect to their neighbor. And for now, because we're not able to meet in person, we're taking a little bit of the online world and reserving it for God's action and presence and asking God, God, Help us to connect to you through this online activity. Help us to connect to each other, to our neighbor, through this online platform. So I'm glad and I'm thankful that you were able to join us. If you want to partner with us, we can't do this alone. We can't achieve the end goal alone. We need your help. Uh, We're happy to uh, have you as a volunteer or if you'd rather partner with us through giving. Both of those things are available on our website at www.gainesvillenas.com. You can click on the menu and there's an application for volunteering. Uh, There's a place where you can donate. We'd be honored if you partner with us. Now let me bless you. Uh, Wherever you're at, in your car, on your couch, at uh, at the dinner table, wherever you're at. Take a moment. What we like to do is we like to stick out our hands when we receive a blessing and that we're giving up our power and asking God to 
share God's power with us. Um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord's face shine upon you all the days of your life. Go in peace. Amen.